It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Brandon Vogel with us back from the cabin in the woods to his football office. It's where it is. Griswold tribute bears hat. I love it. And uh, we're uh, streaming here on Hale Varsity this morning. You can hear us on ESPN Lincoln, of course, but also the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and Hale Varsity uh, Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Elijah, yes. Has your audio echo issue been fixed we're for fixed. yourself and listeners? We're fixed. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. You are, you are awesome. That's why they sir. pay me the big you bucks. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice button pressing. Good yeah. work. That <laughs> <laughs> was dismissive and condescending. And not entirely uh, wrong. <laughs> uh, Vogues, how we doing, man? How you, how you feeling here as the uh, football season officially, officially wraps up? Good to see you, man. Good to see you guys. I'm doing well. Um, haven't gotten to watch as many bowl games as I would have liked due to due to travel uh, of late. But otherwise, that's that's really my only main complaint so far with this holiday season. Do you have all the? Uh, all, I, I was yes. Do you have all the, all the Christmas shopping all wrapped up, Brandon? Yep, that's all. That's all good. Today is mostly about meal prep, and mm. uh, it'll be pretty quiet. Just the just the three of us here at home. I've, I've found myself a little less interested in bowl season too. Is that because? the bowls aren't as big of a deal because of the playoffs or is it because Nebraska hasn't been in one in six years. And so you just don't even really do other pay things. Much attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think both of those things probably contribute. Like it's, it's we've, <laughs> we've had since 2016 now where Nebraska, like the season's just over when the season's over, it's a little bit strange to not have those extra three or four weeks to at least talk about another matchup. I've always had a, a love-hate relationship with bowl games. Like, I'll watch all of them. I, I really will. I'm not a there-are-too-many-bowl-games person. Like, if there's football on at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, amazing. That's, like, the best Tuesday I'll ever have. That said, they were pretty random and outside the the norm to begin with. And now you look at a lot of these teams end up kind of being shells of them former selves via either the transfer portal or coaching carousel. Uh and it does, it diminishes it a little bit for me personally. Brendan, I know you're a stats guy, so I just want to bring one thing up. You mentioned the, the bowl drought since 2016. It should be noted that was Ronnie Green's first year as chancellor. And since then, Nebraska yet to make a bowl game. Now Ronnie Green stepping down, a new head coach comes in. If, if Matt Rowe makes a bowl game next year, it's going to be one of those situations where it's causation or correlation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. I, I have enjoyed my the few times I've been able to talk to Ronnie Green. Um, he's always been, I thought, a, a good leader at the University of Nebraska. So, but you know, a curse is a curse. It, it happens to the best of us. 
Vogues, uh, let's talk a little bit about the recruiting class, uh, some impressions. I know we, we spent time with you Thursday. We've got uh, some folks waking up, packing the uh, family truckster uh, with presents for, for the day ahead or making the coffee run. So let's reset overall your takeaway. And also uh, tell folks a little bit what you dove into in reference to recruiting and retention with your latest feature in the Hale Varsity Magazine, because it it combines really well for, a, I don't know, an early signing period topic. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the longstanding battle for Nebraska is with any of these classes, I think just by nature of how nationally it has to recruit, is how many of those guys can you hang on to? Like, we can talk about development, and, and I think it's important. And, you know, when I talked to you guys earlier in the week, I, I told you, kind of why I, I I'm really buying it from, from that rule. Um, <clears throat> but you got to have the players there to develop them. And for a long time, Nebraska's lost a little over 40% of its signing classes, which I think is in range with most of its contemporaries, but probably on the high end, uh, this past class that they just signed with nine in-state players. And it's changed a little bit, you know, since Wednesday and Thursday, cause they've added a, a couple or at least since Wednesday morning, added a couple of uh, signees and, and transfers. But overall, the, the average distance for recruiting this class was under under 500 miles, which doesn't happen that often. We talk about the 500-mile radius all the time. Um, this is one that actually got and ended up the average recruit coming from that. And that, that helps with attrition. Um, I think broadly speaking – you know, Nebraska is kicking around in the high 20s, low 30s, depending on where you look for class ranking. I didn't know if they were going to be able to get there, but that puts them in a spot where they're they're pretty much equivalent, I think, to most Nebraska classes, which is something of an achievement in a transition class, in my opinion. Yeah, you mentioned transition class, and you go back to 2014, 2018, or sorry, 2015 and 2018, Mike Riley's first recruiting class, Scott Frost's first recruiting class, and you have some hits on there that you outlined it. It's it's about attrition. And when you look at both of those classes, I mean, it's you know quick math, but looks like probably half the guys just never even just didn't stay at Nebraska, let alone contribute. Is that something that you can? Is that sort of built in with transition classes? Do you think, or if you have a more defined identity, more stability, and all that, can you hedge against that? Yeah, uh, really good question. I think I think it's a little bit built in, but I would guess that I haven't done this. Like, if you went back and looked at you know some of these coaching changes that have gone well relatively quickly, I would be surprised if they didn't hang on to a good amount of that that first class because you know those are the guys, particularly. So this class ended up, or at least you know on Wednesday afternoon when I kind of wrote my bullet points for this class at that stage. It was about half holdover commits and half new commits. Um, those those new commits, you know, if they stay, if they become kind of the players that you projected and you're not reaching a ton, which I, I think reaching is a little bit inevitable too just because, well, the, the shelves aren't fully stocked when you're a new coach and you come in late November, early December, uh, so to speak. So I would guess holding on to that class and, and having them become – the people that kind of set the foundation for what you do is probably key to a lot of the early success we've seen at coaching changes elsewhere. 
Brent, I believe the number is uh, eight guys that uh, this new staff was able to hold on from uh, the previous staff. And I want to get your take on that. Some of those guys have gone a little bit under the radar this week because we've talked about them for months now. And I think there was a a general consensus among fans and media alike that you you were expecting to lose a good number of those. And I think eight's a healthy number to keep around. So what do you make of the guys that that this staff was able to keep in this recruiting class? And, And which of those guys do you think maybe are flying a little bit too under the radar at this point? Yeah, um, I mean, we could start with the offensive line. Um, you know, they added this this new staff added one commit, but three of those guys were in state and, and existing commits. And you know, Matt Rule talked about it on on Wednesday and has really made an emphasis on on keeping those in state guys at home to the fact that to the point where he talked about you know some of the guys who ended up going elsewhere. Uh, which, you know, I think they made their best effort on, on the two that went to uh, Iowa state and just sometimes you're going to, you're going to lose some of those guys with it, with a new coaching staff. Um, doesn't mean that they didn't have the right pitch or anything. It's just some people given the opportunity will say, Hey, I was in with this last group. I don't want to go through the whole getting to know, know you process again. And that, that seems pretty fair to me. So um, it'll take a while, I think, but to you know, those offensive linemen kind of were the core of, of the in-state guys, not necessarily the most highly rated or the most closely followed, but how those guys develop, uh, offensive line has been a long-standing issue for Nebraska, I think becomes key to, to how quickly this tenure gets up and running for Nebraska. Bogues, you, you just touched on where I want to go, and, and you've got a lot of eyeballs. You've got Rue, who's a hands-on line of scrimmage guy, of course, holistically and philosophically, Foley's done O-line work, Satterfield has done O-line work. So you've got, you got what the head guy wants and you've got your position coach, but then you have some, some additional input, which that, that goes above and beyond the, uh, the Milt and uh, Dan Young combo of two guys, or Bonnie and Gar- Barney and Garrison two guy combo. So you've got all sorts of eyes, which I think will be good for Nebraska. Do you look at at what's back on the offensive line and potentially the defensive line with what years they have to play and their experience as a good bridge for what Nebraska needs to develop what's in the cupboard? Because it's always it's felt like let's throw in the new guys before they're ready or capable and you just let them sink or swim. And, and that's part of the reason why the, both lines of scrimmage haven't been dominant for a while. Yeah, it, it could be that bridge. It probably should be that bridge for, for Nebraska. It's just tough after having watched <laughs> these Nebraska lines the past two years, which, you know, we're pretty young, but going into this 2022 season, uh, it was one of the more experienced lines in the country, specifically because they were playing people like Corcoran and, and Ben Hart fairly early. Um, and it's theoretically, unless things change between now and opening kickoff next year, they'll have guys like that available too. multi-year starters. Uh, it hasn't looked the way anybody at Nebraska wanted it to look from fans to coaches. Um, can it get closer to that? Adding somebody like Ben Scott, uh, transfer from Arizona State, who has you know multiple years of starting experience, is, is really big. And you know, and we talked earlier in the week. That was kind of the spot where I thought, if you can get an experienced O line here, O lineman here, um, that kind of changes the dynamic. Just somebody who's who's got that experience. So 
Nebraska, in all likelihood, unless a lot changes over the spring, is probably going to go into 2022 or 2023 with one of the more experienced lines in the country in terms of total snaps played or games started, however you want to look at that. And that needs to be an advantage. It wasn't in 2022. Matt Rule during the press conference kind of came to the defense of the offensive line and said he doesn't buy into the fact that they're, you know, kind of the weakness. He expects them to be good. And he highlighted in particular because that you need to have an identity. And he seemed to pin that on why Nebraska's O-line seemingly did not perform was the lack of an identity. If you were to guess, looking at Satterfield, looking at Rule, looking at their history, looking at what Nebraska brings back, looking at who they're bringing in, what is that identity going to be? Good question. I'm not sure I fully have a, a great grasp on it yet. My, my feeling is they're probably trending towards, I think they'd like to be a little bit more run heavy than they've maybe been at their previous stops. And I think that coming in is kind of a plan reflective of the big 10, not that they didn't run those ball, run the ball and, you know, play strong defense at those other places. That was kind of the recipe, but I would expect it to be even a little bit heavier here if they can do it. You know, you look at the wide receiver offers and the coaching staff, well, Rule, I guess, specifically has talked about it multiple times now, uh, just their emphasis on on speed. So the question will be, uh, in Nebraska under Frost, you know, was kind of aiming towards something similar there. They could just never run the ball consistently when they had to run the ball. And that's the biggest thing I think um, good teams do is you, you have run – run scheme, run plays that you know you can go to and, and get, you know, your three, four yards when needed. Um, so I think a little bit maybe of a clearer focus on that is probably what I'm expecting there. Brandon Vogel's with us here. It's a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, we mentioned uh, on, on Thursday whenever we are talking to you, the running back room as being a place that Nebraska may need to add more talent. Can you just give us a, a rundown of the room? They did add Quentin Ives. I want to get your take on, on him as a running back. But with uh, a new running back coach coming in, a new set of eyes, what do you think Nebraska has in that running back room right now? Yeah, I mean, they've got pretty good pretty good returning talent, I think, if you don't lose any to to the portal. Um, you know, Ramir Johnson probably remains a, a, a fan favorite. Um, and we'll see. Like, he showed up in the limited amount of, of time he's gotten. It was a little bit strange that he didn't see more, you know, throughout 2022. Gabe Irvin is somebody I'm still not willing to, to write the book on. I think there's a chance, especially with coaching change and some new coaching, that if he stays healthy, his best football's still in front of him. Um, you look at bleeding rusher, Anthony Grant, we'll see what happens with, with, with that. Um, there's depth there and, and adding one, it, I would look for Nebraska if they could find a transfer portal quarterback might be the way that they go because while I like the talent there, it's not the most experienced group at the moment. You've got guys that have played football and played multiple seasons, but beyond Grant basically being the guy all last year, um, you've had others in terms of Urban and Johnson who have just kind of been in and out. Vogues, uh, I want to get a thought here on a position group that you think Nebraska could do some work on or needs to do some work on between now and and, and post-spring, uh, where you have either portal or second signing. Is there a, a room you feel uh, 
concerned about just because of lack of bodies? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Nebraska, well, certainly in my opinion, Nebraska didn't go into 2022 with the depth it would like to have on the D-line, tried to address that via the portal, and had two guys, two Power 5 transfers who played. I think that's a that's a room where you kind of say, hey, if there's a, uh, you know, maybe a raw prospect and you want to play the developmental route, uh, you could go that way and still what we have before this February signing period. Or you look to the portal because, you know, we've still got decisions coming from a guy like Garrett Nelson in terms of what he's going to do. Um, if he decides that he, he's going to, to, to move on and chase a professional career or do something else, um, that would that would hurt that group up front. So that's the big one. It's tough. Like, you'll always, always take talented defensive linemen, and it's always going to be super competitive to get them. But when you just look at the numbers there, I could see Nebraska wanting to boost that group a little bit. You know, the curse of covering and or being a Nebraska fan is uh... – you can always talk yourself into nine and three, you know, just, <laughs> it's just part of the deal. It's like, Oh, well, you know, cause we dive so deep into all these guys. Um, and on paper, they Nebraska's got all the things you need, right? Just like any other team. Um, that said, you look at rules history with temple with Baylor first years are just awful, you know, one win, two wins, something like that. I, I'm not getting the sense from them that that's what they expect here. Just based on the comments that the staff has had about, no, the, you know, we're walking into a team that's, you know, these these guys work hard. There's already talent here. It's not it's not something that they feel like they have to burn to the ground. Are you getting that same sense that they don't expect a one win, a two win type year coming up? I think so. I'm, I'm leaning that direction because you're right. It certainly stands out. I wrote about this a little bit in the December issue of just like how quickly – coaching changes can or cannot get going in, in kind of a new transfer portal era. And I, I do think it can happen more quickly. It's not a guarantee that it will, but it can. And you still go back, you know, this, the 2022 season for Nebraska pretty much like was what it was. Um, you had a couple of close losses. You had a close win in there. You still go back to that. I still go back to that 2021 season, however, which is just like, still the statistical outlier of all statistical outliers that team was closer to the eight nine win team than than it was a three win team doesn't matter now like the, the the debt has been paid on that the bill came due on on just never quite getting there but when i look at nebraska broadly and really in today's era like the last two years is probably about the bulk of your roster um that you can hang on to nebraska was not a seven win team in terms of their actual ability. So if this coaching staff is already seeing that, um, then I, I, I do think that it's, it's fair to, to expect it doesn't have to be two and 10, like it was, you know, at, at temple, or I think one and 11, like it was at Baylor. Um, it's a little bit of a different situation. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think they've got a good chance to be pretty competitive pretty quickly. Brendan Vogel is with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor. Get that Husker fan taken care of with the the monthly subscription, uh, digital and print uh, offer. HailVarsity.com backslash offer in honor of signing day. Let's get that offer out there. Vogues, what'd you, 
we're gonna we're gonna let uh, hopefully Junior's not watching on on your phone, but I'm wondering what what did you uh, what did you get Junior for for the holiday season? Does he have a uh, a, a throwback um, Matt Harrion jersey? Is there a Jamal Lord uh, jersey in in the uh, the stocking? Did you go Red Rider big? BB gun? One more time, Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, does he have a Red Rider BB gun? Did he go uh, get a giant axe for when everybody was in the woods yesterday? <laughs> axe wouldn't have been a bad idea. I like that. I'll jot that down for next year. We were <laughs> discussing discussing the, the BB gun. We've we've had a, a squirrel issue with uh, with our compost out in the backyard, so um, decided that not this year, but maybe next year, Max might be able to chip in with if How he's just getting he? the right. How old is he? Yeah. Uh, he'll be two in April. Is that too early? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well arm him. <laughs> I mean, we, we have an elevated porch. He can just, it'll be like, he can just sit up here. He doesn't have to engage. Like, we just need the accuracy. Hey, hey, real quick. Got, got to sneak in a little volleyball real quick. Nebraska just gets a transfer from Florida. Merritt Beeson, the Wisconsin killer. Um, she's six rotations, so that means she doesn't sub. You don't have to sub her out, basically. She can play everything. You can keep her in. She's really good out of the back row, even too. They set her a lot from there. Um, what does that pickup mean? And like that obviously means somebody has to go because you're over the scholarship limit. Yeah, it definitely means I think that a departure is is coming at some point. Um you look at Merritt, she yeah revisiting her her stats and and some of her numbers after she committed to nebraska i was looking at it i was like well this is like a classic john cook player i mean we hear him talk about those six rotation players all the time you're losing one in in maddie cubic um so it it it, i don't want to call it a one-to-one replacement for that but that's the the broad idea i think with bringing a player like her in but it does mean that um, there must be a departure somewhere else. The fact that Beeson's coming in at outside hitter, you know, technically probably tells you which group I think to, to look at. So we'll see, you know, Nebraska had, despite losing some really, really good seniors, had a kind of good young core. And now with, with this news, you're left to wonder, well, is, is that core going to get a little bit smaller in the, the days ahead? Vogues, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your fam. Thanks for making time again this morning, and uh, we'll check in with you in the new year, bud. Thanks a lot, guys. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good morning. There we go. There is (laughs) Brandon Vogel from his football office. He was even rocking the uh, Bond villain turtleneck. I liked it. Uh, It was pretty good. Dude, I'll tell you, that that Merritt beat – you know, Nebraska's like – they can't can't beat Wisconsin in volleyball. It's been like 100 years since they've beaten – she almost single-handedly beat them on the road with Florida, so I, I don't awesome. think it's any. I don't think it's any coincidence that Cook is like, let's oh, let's bring her, let's bring in the Wisconsin killer. So we'll see. That's good. Uh, the Iron Horse going to be with us in a moment. Get his take on signing day and the Husker football future. Gary Sharp joins us. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Hale Varsity continues. Presented by Currency. <laughs> 